If someone came up to you with a bowl full of dirt and said, here's some dirt, go bake a cake, you would think, what? That doesn't even make sense. That doesn't even go together. You don't make a cake out of dirt. That's not what you do with dirt. Now, you might do other things with dirt. Dirt's very precious and valuable in many applications. I mean, if you wanted to plant a seed, you'd need some dirt. Maybe if you had the right kind of soil, you might even make clay out of it and bake a brick. You know I mean, there's things you can do with dirt, but you can't make a cake out of dirt. Those things just don't go together. You don't do that with that. You follow me? All right, now that's probably a ridiculous illustration of the point we want to make. But the point is, some things go together, and some things are properly used in specific ways. Now, with that in mind, today we want to talk about the gospel. And we want to talk about what you should do with the gospel. I think all of us, even if we haven't done a lot of word studies and Bible words, understand that the word gospel means literally good news. The gospel is good news. In Mark chapter 1, verse 1, Mark called his book the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the good news about Jesus. It's the good news about what he did. He left heaven and came to earth to live as a man. He set a perfect example and then died a horrible death on the cross, shedding his blood there in order to provide for the atonement for our sins. He was buried and resurrected as the ultimate proof that he is the Son of God. This is all good news. I mean, this is really good news. We have good news about Jesus Christ. That's what the gospel is. The gospel is the good news of what Jesus has done and made available for us through the grace of God. Now, what do we do? How do we respond? What do we do with that gospel? And that's what we want to spend our time talking about this morning. What should we do with the gospel? Let's stop here for just a minute to add words of welcome to those that Anthony already expressed. We're glad that you're here. We very much appreciate your presence. A beautiful Lord's Day in Middle Tennessee. And we have some who are finally recovering from sickness. Uh, I was talking to Wade before service began. I've never seen it like this. This is the worst I've ever seen in regards to sickness and families being uh, affected by sickness. We still got a good bit of that, by the way, but we're doing better and we appreciate that fact. But we thank you all for being here and hope you don't get sick, but we certainly enjoy and benefit from the time that we spend together. Thanks for all being here and a special welcome to our visitors. Let's talk about the gospel. What should we do with the gospel? Well, first of all, a very obvious starting place is that we need to hear it and believe it. We need to hear the gospel and believe it. Um, there are some things that, that you function and use without really having any knowledge or understanding of those things. For instance, something as simple as the law of gravity. Uh, a little baby doesn't understand the law of gravity, couldn't understand it if you tried to describe it to the child. But you've seen a baby take a toy and throw it down. And then you pick it up and give it back, and they throw it down again. And they, they are experiencing the law of gravity, although they don't know what it is. They don't understand it, couldn't understand it if you tried to explain it to them. And so there are some things like that, that you can, you, you can use it or function in regards to it without any knowledge of it. But not this. Not the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have to hear it. When we talk about hearing the gospel, we're suggesting the idea of examining it, uh, to look to the evidence, to understand what is described there. And then, after having 
heard and seen and read the evidence that pertains to the gospel to accept it, to believe it, based upon a consideration of its message. That's what we need to do. We need to hear it and we need to believe it. Now, right here we would stop to comment about the fact that some people think there is this blind leap of faith. You know, all of you all who are Christians, you have just made a blind leap of faith. The idea is that you've closed your eyes, you've shut off your mind, you won't listen to anybody about it. You've just decided to believe this no matter what. Of course, we believe that that's entirely inaccurate. To really hear the gospel and to believe it does not involve a blind leap of faith, but rather a reasoned response to facts and evidence. That's what we're doing. In Acts chapter 15, verse 7, Peter said, Men and brethren, ye know that a good while ago God made choice among us that the Gentiles by my mouth should hear the word of the gospel and believe it. And so Peter talked about one episode in his preaching work where he was sent to the Gentile household of Cornelius and he said they heard the word and believed it. Heard the word of the gospel and believed it. Too many today, of course, are not even interested in listening. Uh, they just, they have no desire to, to hear the message of the gospel. And even among those who might hear it, they, they listen with a prejudice and they refuse to logically evaluate the positive proof that is there. And so they're not hearing and believing the gospel. If we're going to have the benefit of this good news about Jesus, we have to hear it. We have to consider it. And we need to make a conclusion. And the conclusion is, it's believable. It's the right thing to believe. The next thing that we could talk about, a response to the gospel message, is that we need to obey it. For the last three weeks on the virtual Bible study, we've been reviewing a blog written by a man in which he tried to describe the positions held by members of the Church of Christ. He's not a member of the Church of Christ and was actually trying to critique our positions and prove where we are wrong on a number of things. And, and we, we spent three weeks talking about that. I don't know how many of you got to listen, but uh, just badly misrepresented us on lots of things. And one of the things that he, that he uh, chided us about is the expression we use sometimes that you ought to obey the gospel. This man wrote, the gospel is just good news. How can you obey good news? You're not, you don't obey the gospel, and he belittled the fact that we use that expression. Now, first of all, we do use that expression. And very often we tell people you need to obey the gospel. But actually, that's not something we invented. That's a biblical expression in 2 Thessalonians 1, beginning verse 7, where Lee read to us earlier, The Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Notice, when the Lord comes in judgment, He's going to take judgment on those who what? Who have not obeyed the gospel. So what should we do then in anticipation of coming judgment? Obey the gospel, right? That just makes sense. Uh, it's good news, but it deserves a response, an obedient response. Think about this for a minute. Obeying the gospel. Obeying the good news. That is not s such a far-out concept. Let's say this. In the newspaper today, there's a big headline. Uh, this is not true. I'm making this up. I wish it was true, but I'm going to make this up. Uh, in the newspaper today, there's a big headline. U.S. government promises huge tax refund. 
you read that headline. Whoa, that's good news. A big tax refund. And so then I read down through it, and it does describe the fact that the government intends to give lots of money back to taxpayers, but then it spells out in the article what you must do in order to get that refund. Well, what would you do? You, would you just say, oh, good news, good news? you jump up and down and then do nothing in reaction to the good news? No, of course, you'd get busy and fulfill all the conditions stipulated so that you could get that big tax refund, right? So, good news. Certainly, the gospel is good news, but it, it certainly indicates that a response to that good news is appropriate. That response is obedience. So, what should we do with the gospel? Hear it. Believe it. Obey it. Absolutely necessary. We should also preach the gospel good news of Jesus Christ. Have you ever heard something that's really good news, but you were inclined to keep it to yourself? Well, maybe, maybe there's some things that you might think about keeping to yourself. For instance, uh, Monty and Josh and I made a trip a while back over uh, into East Tennessee. We're doing a little gold prospecting, you know, trying to find some gold. That's hard work, man. I told I told Josh and Monty, I know why those pictures of those old gold prospectors were all humped over and hunched back and broken down. That's hard work. It's hard work. Gold prospecting, prospecting is hard work. But let's say that we came across the mother load. We found it. We found the source of gold. Now, that's good news. But I'll tell you, we'd be keeping it pretty quiet, you know, because if we told somebody what we had discovered, then they'll be in there on it, you know, and they'll take it and we won't have it. So there's some good news you might be inclined to keep to yourself. You found gold. But this good news about Jesus Christ is not like that. I, I can tell it to others and I don't lose anything myself. I can share the good news I've learned with other people and I'm not diminished at all. In fact, I benefit from it. I benefit from sharing it with other people. This is good news that needs to be shouted from the housetops. This is good news that needs to be proclaimed. In Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, Jesus gave what we call the Great Commission to His disciples. He said to them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be damned. Notice, preach the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do with it. By the way, we should point out that this is for us all. This is not just an instruction for preachers or for a few others, but all who have experienced the good of the gospel need to share it with others. Tell that good news. We are enriched when we share the message ourselves. We need to defend it. We need to defend the gospel. Unfortunately, there are plenty of opponents out there in the world, opponents of the gospel. There are people who don't believe that Jesus Christ is the only begotten Son of God. And, and so they oppose the preaching of the gospel. And they seems like their numbers and their energy are increasing in the world. Those who oppose the message of Jesus. There are others who selfishly uh, desire to gratify their own selves. And so they oppose the gospel. You know, they have, they have an agenda. And in our in our country, for instance, there are people with a social agenda that opposes what's taught in the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so they're against it. And they'll fight against the preaching of the gospel. They lash out. I think you could use that kind of a, a description of their activity. They lash out 
against the gospel. And so what are we to do? Well, we have to defend the gospel against such attacks. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 1, verse 7, I am set for the defense of the gospel. And that's the way we ought to be. We're determined to defend the gospel against all who attack it. What if someone attacked your good name or your family name? What if you found out that there was someone who was going around maliciously spreading false rumor about you or about your family, about someone that you loved and cared for, and they were trying to run you down? What would you do? Well, you'd feel a need to defend yourself, right? You would want to defend. That's not true. What that man's saying is not right. And here's the actual facts of the matter. And you'd want to set that straight. You'd want to defend yourself against uh, a harmful attack of that nature. Well, that's the idea that we're discussing here concerning the gospel. We should be ready to defend it. Plenty of people trying to run it down and attack it. We should defend it. There are way too many people, and unfortunately there are too many people who even wear the name Christian these days who think that we shouldn't speak up in adamant defense of the gospel. Uh, They would say, well, we just shouldn't argue the scriptures. No, sometimes you have to argue it. You you need to aggressively defend it. Uh, In Jude, verse 3, we're told to contend for the faith. And we need to be ready to do that. We need to defend the gospel. There are plenty of opponents who are attacking it in this day and age. We need to hold it fast. Another thing to do with the gospel, hear it, believe it, obey it, preach it, defend it, hold fast to it. And we've all got cell phones these days, right? It's amazing to me. I mean, you can't be without your cell phone, right? You've got to have your cell phone. It's important uh, these days to have our cell phone with us all the time. And so people make special provisions for carrying their cell phones, having them at ready uh, you know, access so they can get it in, in, in an instant. Um, cell phones are important to us. And once in a while, though, it's not too common. People are usually pretty careful with their cell phones. But once in a while, you come across someone who's very careless, you know, with their cell phone. They don't pay attention to it. They lose it. Or, you know, uh, maybe they, they put it in a place where it's likely to be harmed. And you think, man, they need to be more careful with that cell phone, man. It's expensive and it's important and you need to take care of it. Well, uh, here's the most valuable piece of information that's ever been passed down to mankind in the inspired Word of God. And therefore, uh, we need to take care of it. We need to hold on to it, not let it go. Uh, take special precautions to have it for ourselves all the time. We need to hold on to the gospel. In First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1, Paul writes, I'm, Now I make known to you, brethren, the gospel which I preach to you. Now stop there and notice. He said, I preach the gospel to you. Which also ye received, in which also you stand, by which also you are saved. Notice, if you hold fast the word which I preach to you, unless you believed in vain. First thing I would want you to note is the gospel is the word that was preached. That that links the message. It's not just some nebulous concept out here. Jesus came to the world and died for mankind. It's not just a concept. It's actually revealed in, in written word, the word that was spoken by the inspired apostles. He says, the gospel which I preach, hold fast the word which I preach. And so we're to hold fast to the gospel. And the idea of that is that it is precious and that we should really cherish it. 
I wonder if we do. I wonder if we have that kind of appreciation for it that we ought to have. The idea, this is so special. We're going to hold on to it. We'll never let it go. We need to have that kind of conviction. We need to have that kind of devotion to the Word of God. Certainly, we should never be ashamed of the Gospel. What if you came across someone today and they said, they said, I'm ashamed to be an American. I'm ashamed to be an American. Now, maybe you've had that experience before. Some of us have. I think the, the, my reaction to them would be, what? You're ashamed to be an American? Uh, now, when you stop and think about it, I, I understand that our country's got its problems. There's no doubt about that. And perhaps even the problems in our country seem to be on the increase. But I'm here to tell you, I still believe that we are by far and away the greatest country on earth. And we ought to appreciate it. We ought to love America. Right? A person who says, I'm ashamed to be an American... I think is clearly ungrateful for the privileges that we enjoy. And I'd have to guess that that person probably hasn't gone other places to see what it's like in, in other areas of the world. Go someplace else. Then come back here and appreciate America. And anybody who's done that will agree this is the greatest place. Not without trouble, but it's a great place. And so for someone to say, I'm ashamed to be an American, I think, man, that's that's just that's out of line. That's just completely out of line. No one should say that. Well, what about the gospel? Uh, you know, we, we certainly are devoted to our country. We think it's great. We're not ashamed. We're not ashamed to be American. We're glad to wear the name American. Well, what about the gospel? The gospel is perfect and without flaw. Our country has flaws. The gospel has no flaws. But can you imagine someone saying, I'm ashamed of the gospel? Oh, may it never be so. The Apostle Paul said in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes the Jew first and also the Greek. Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It had cost him a lot in his life, this gospel of Jesus Christ, but he knew that he had gained more, much more, in, uh, infinitely more than it had ever cost him. And he was not ashamed. Even though he'd suffered great things for the gospel, he was not ashamed. We should never be ashamed of the gospel. Uh, and by the way, that means all aspects of the gospel message. Sometimes I'm afraid as Christians we want to shy away from things that maybe some of our religious neighbors don't agree with us about. And so we don't want to, you know, we don't want to talk about that. We're kind of ashamed. I'm ashamed of the position held by the church I attend on that particular subject. No. It's the gospel message, and we should never be ashamed of it, not be ashamed of any part of it, but glad to proclaim it and defend it, as we said earlier. We should never be ashamed of the gospel. We should live worthily of the gospel. We've all known unfortunate circumstances of maybe a, a, a kid who grows up in a family and he begins to act in such a way as to disrespect his mother and his father and to bring shame upon the family name. What a horrible thing, you know. It's so sad when you see a situation like that and you just think, oh, how that kid ought to know better. He ought to do better than that. He's shaming his mother and father by the way he's acting. That's terrible. Well, what about us? I want, to, I want you to make the parallel application. What about us and the gospel? As we've been saying throughout our lesson this morning, the gospel is the good news of Jesus Christ. But are we living in such a way as to disrespect that good news and bring shame 
upon it. When I, when I, when I don't live the way that I should as a Christian, I need to understand that it's not just me. It's not just about me. When I don't live right, certainly, uh, it, it, it impacts me, but I've got to realize it impacts more than me. It, it impacts my brethren. And, and my poor example is a bad reflection upon my brethren. But more than that, when as a Christian I don't live right, I'm bringing disrespect upon this gospel message of Jesus Christ. And so here I am in the community, and I'm doing things that I ought not to do. And someone knows that I'm associated with the Lord's church. And they say, well, if that's what that church stands for, if that's the message they represent, I want nothing to do with it. If I bring shame upon the gospel, that's a, that's a very serious matter. And I ought to really think about it. Am I living worthily of the gospel? In Philippians chapter 1, beginning verse 27, Paul says, only conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain silent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. I just want to ask each of us as Christians to reflect upon our own conduct and our example, the way we're living, what other people, not just not the people who are sitting in this room this morning, but the people out there in the world, in our community, the people we work with, the people we associate with, our neighbors and friends, what do they know of the gospel based upon what they see of it in us? Because even as we sometimes sing a song, we sometimes are the only Bible that they'll ever read. They won't take the time to open the pages of the gospel message and read it for themselves, but they're seeing something of it in us. Are we living in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ? That's the question, and we all need to be serious about that. What about the gospel? What should we do with it? Well, there are a lot of appropriate reactions. There are a lot of necessary responses to the gospel. As we said, you certainly have to first hear it, be exposed to its facts and evidence, and then believe it by logically thinking and making a conclusion upon what it teaches. Obey it, preach it, proclaim it, defend it against attack, hold on to it as special and precious, never being ashamed of it, living worthy of it. What are you doing with the gospel? What about you? What are you doing with the gospel of Jesus Christ? There's no better news that ever came to man than the good news of what God has done through, for us through His Son, Jesus Christ. Have you responded to it as you should? Have you become a Christian? Have you obeyed that simple gospel plan of salvation? Have you obeyed the gospel? That's the question. That simple gospel plan of salvation is hear the truth, believe it, repent of your sins, confess your faith in Jesus, be baptized for the remission of sins. Have you obeyed the gospel? We beg you to make that decision today if you've not already. Are you a faithful Christian? Or, sadly, might it be the case with you that you did obey the gospel, but you haven't been faithful You've fallen away and you haven't been doing the Lord's will in your life. If that's the case, we urge you to come back to Him in repentance, confession, and prayer. If we can help, let us know while we stand and sing this song.